Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Lord, we come to you this morning and we're just so grateful, Lord, for the wonderful things, Lord, that we know you're doing in our hearts, God. Lord, sometimes these are punctuated, Lord, interrupted by those things, God, in our lives that confuse us a little bit. Lord, like Reagan passing away, Lord, or Tim Daniels, God, being taken, Lord, before his time. But yet, Lord, we know that's your time because, because we know what your word says, God. It, it brings us to a place of center. Lord, it, it constantly reminds us, Lord, that this world is your world. We belong to you. You created us. And Lord, we will be with you once again as believers, of course. So Lord, I pray that God, you would just continue to take us, Lord, from glory to glory today. Lord, to take that one small step in the direction, Lord, of following what you've called us to do. Lord, to, to be about your business. God, to fulfill the purpose. Lord, that which you've laid hold of us. God, you've laid hold of us, and we thank you for that. And may we move in that direction this morning now as we open to your, our hearts to you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, and uh, yeah, just to, Andrew wanted me to remind you, there is a reception. I think Jamie mentioned that, that uh, the Michaels have a reception after this service. You'll go right into the cafe. They've got a lot of cake for us. So even if you don't like cake, eat the cake. <laughs> All right? Eat the cake. Go in there. Give those guys a big hug. Celebrate with them. We love them. They've got some family here, a daughter and grandchildren, grandson, and a girlfriend. Awesome. You know, I recently read a statement that was posted somewhere that, you know, one's passion will lead to one's purpose. And you may be familiar with that and seeing it. I'm not sure exactly where I saw it. But, you know, I don't quite agree with that statement because a person can be passionate, or another word for that is enthusiastic, about playing Xbox all day or watching Netflix movies or TV shows with no real goal in mind, right? Other than to maybe finish all of Lost or Wings or whatever it is that is your goal there. But ultimately, it's to be entertained, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what that's about. But this kind of passion, it, it may lead to a purpose, but not the purpose. And so that's why I don't always see passion necessarily connecting us to our purpose. But I'll share that with you in here in just a moment. I also see many people passionately, quote-unquote, throwing their time and energies into things in life that really have nothing to do with their heavenly purpose. Even better, I'm sorry, let me back up here. Um, This is not to say that these hobbies or jobs or personal pursuits do not have value, because they certainly do. They have some value, or we wouldn't put our time into them. But I think it would be better to say that where your passion is then is where your heart is, but not necessarily your purpose, okay? Not necessarily your purpose. Even better, if you find your purpose, and there you will find your passion. That's, I think, a better way to say that. This thought best lines up with what we know Jesus taught. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, 
He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And Jesus was speaking about storing up those heavenly treasures because Jesus was always had an eternal context in mind. He was always thinking about heaven, always thinking about who we are and who we really are. And that's, that's really important, isn't it? That we remember that we are heavenly beings first. Eternal beings. You know, having a spirit. And that, but yet that's not what we see with the natural eye, and so we're so quick to forget it. But over and over, Jesus was trying to remind the disciples, and he had a hard time of it at times, because they just kept on getting into what I would call carnal thinking. Another way to say it is in the flesh. We've all been there. And you say to yourself, you know, I gotta get back in the spirit. I gotta, I gotta remember who I am. I gotta remember where I am and where I'm going. And so to have that eternal context in mind is what Jesus was after and, of course, is the goal for all of us. So in other words, he was a heavenly man living on earth for only a time. And guess what? That's you and me. So where is your treasure? Really, where is your treasure? You don't have to look very far. It's going to be stacked somewhere in the way of stuff. It's going to be stacked in the way of time. And, of course, your energies. I've even have it, you know, heard people say, you know, check your, you know, your wallet or your checkbook or your purse, because in there we, we combine or we gather the stubs, the canceled checks of what our passion really is. Because we can say one thing, but really the paper trail, right, where it is stacked, really determines where our passion is. And so if you're wondering about that, that might be a good place to start. You know, I was just going back over my budget recently, just going over it and just seeing, you know, end of the year, you want to, you get that statement and Nowadays, you know, they, they send you stuff and, and uh, they'll say, well, this is like, well, especially with credit cards, if, if you use it just as a debit card like I do, it, they, 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 they tell you all the stuff that you've bought o- over the last year. And you look at it and you're like, wow, I spent that much there? And it's good. It's a good wake-up call for us. It's very good to examine our life. So that's you and me. Paul seems to have come to a place where he was rethinking his purpose. Which is a very common struggle, I believe, for Christians in our culture today. I think we're constantly trying to find who we are. A lot of who, who are you books out there, right? A lot of music that, that is written for people that are searching. I think we live in a searching culture. I think we live in a searching world. People are looking for a purpose, which is why you know Rick Warren, almost 20 years ago, when he wrote that book, uh, the purpose-driven life. Remember that? Huge. Number one seller. Still, constantly something. Because it, 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 it struck a nerve. We're looking for that purpose. That, oh, what, why am I here? And so Paul, you can see kind of Paul is struggling here in, in just a moment when I read a verse. And yet we can really, I, I mean, our, our, the intonation of his heart, I mean, our, our sound waves are coming together with that. We, we, we can see feel that same struggle but see God's solution is a powerful counsel for us today for us who want to experience the benefits of passion but in the context of our created purpose so you're not here today for me to just get you all stirred up to not just get you all emotional and frothing at the spiritual mouth 
but rather that you say, look, I want to know what my next step is. I want to know what the goal is, defining that goal. And sometimes to define a goal, you've got to pull a few things out of the way, don't you? To be able to, to, be able to use, you know, you ever been working in a room and you're, you want to you use that room for something special. It, it's only been a room that you stack stuff. It's just been a throw it in there room. But then you rethink it and say, you know what, I want to use this room for something special. And for you to do that, what do you got to do? You got to get rid of some stuff. Or restack it or go and buy you some boxes. You know, that's, you know in Canada, they have, uh, right after Christmas, they have what it's, it's called Boxing Day. And no, it's not fighting, which is what I thought. I thought, what a great holiday. <laughs> they get to fight? Cool. No, no, no. As I re- <laughs> I've known a cu- couple of can- Canadians in my time, and they got me straight. And they said, no, 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 no. It's for cleaning up your house and literally putting things in boxes. And I thought, oh, man, that's boring. You got a holiday for that? Oh, well. Anyway. But if you think in terms of, of our lives, yeah, we got to stack some stuff. We need to go clear some things out. And, and in, a for, in order for us to find our passion, to find our purpose, we need to do that. And Paul gives us some, some, by the Holy Spirit, gives us some advice. So let's read it there in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And it says this, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is a wonderful couple of verses here. Because what we do is we get a, a snapshot into Paul's heart and, and you can see him almost kind of defending himself or maybe he's been accused of thinking that he was perfect or maybe even Paul had to wrestle through that perfection. You know, I saw a person preach one time, a person, well-known person that got up on the stage and said, you know, I believe I've come to the place in my life where I haven't sinned, I don't sin anymore. No, I'm not a very smart man. And I don't claim to know the whole Bible. But one thing I pretty much figured out was that was not true. Because right on the spot, I thought, well, that's sin right there because that's pride, my man, and bing. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. But, you know, your theology can take you to some wild places. It really can. And that's where his had taken him. And I just thought, well, mm, boy, that's... So, because see, right here, you see Paul kind of wrestling with that. And here's a guy who's got about as much sanctification in his life as, as I think anybody can get through suffering, through the things that, you know, Paul was, was called to. And yet, he's wrestling with this idea and saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. But I'm not going to stop and be discouraged and think, you know what? I'm never going to be perfect, so why try? You ever been there before? Maybe you set a goal, maybe you're working on something, and then you, you do eat that ice cream, or maybe you do do this, or you, you know, or you forget to read that chapter of the Bible. Maybe you went a week without reading the Bible, and you just think, well, you know, why go back to doing it? I can't do this. But what we learn from this verse is something that is so very powerfully true, okay? And I want to get into that. 
So what can we learn from this text? I've got a few points that we can take away. Number one, when we look at this, what we find is that our purpose is constantly unfolding. We need to see that. None of us, when we come to Christ, get the whole picture. I think we know that. You know, you don't get saved and all of a sudden, bing, you can, you know, it's like you have this, this vision that's like a movie playing in your head and you just see snapshot after snapshot of all the things you're going to do and you just, oh, 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 cool. It doesn't happen that way. I wish it did. And sometimes we do. Maybe you get a prophetic word. I mean, I've had a ton of those. I joke with people and say, look, I've had so many prophetic words, I could almost do anything and still be in the will of God. Think on that one a little bit. Anyway, uh, but the truth is, it is wrapped up in God. The truth is, God unveils it. The truth is, it is unfolding daily, and it's coming through our experiences. It's coming through different things, you know, step by step, day by day. Look at this verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And so that's, that's God's plan, is to take us from glory to glory. Not sure exactly why, other than the fact that maybe we can't handle it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it, 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 the process is what in, in, in theology they call it sanctification. It's God changing us, making us more, and unveiling what it is that we're called to do. And so in, in that sense, we just get snapshots of it. And what God wants us to do and what is important is that we are faithful with what he has given us. We are faithful with that first step. So I'm in Bible college. I, I come to Christ in high school, and I've got a lot of lofty things in my head of what I'm going to do and what I'm going to be. And when I see young pastors like that or young, young guys that are called to the Lord, and they're just like, hey, Pastor David, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get in that pulpit. I'm, I'm ready to go. And I look at him, I say, oh, that's cool. I said, well, let me tell you about my experience. So when I, I went to Bible college and I was ready, and man, I knew the Bible, I knew this, and, and I walked in, and they said, well, it's great to have you, Mr. Schmaltz. Um, there's the mop. Huh? Yeah. You know, part of our agreement is you're going to clean floors for a while. You're going to move tables. You're going to do this. You're going to drive uh, widows around to places where they need to buy groceries. You need to do this and that. And I was just like, wow. I was really disappointed. But I realized something. That was my purpose right then. And that was what I was qualified to do right then. And I wouldn't have a promotion. I wouldn't have that next step until I was faithful in that. And so to give you the big picture, you know, I went from being a mopper to the head table guy. Then they let me have a children's classroom where I could teach some kids. Then they made me an assistant youth pastor. Then they made me the whole youth pastor. Then from there, I was hired as an associate pastor, in charge of worship. God bless them for letting, them, letting me do that. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into that. Then after that, I went to a pastor of counseling, doing six, seven appointments every day for a church of about 800 people. Then I went on to be the executive pastor, and then... I was done there, and God sent me here from glory to glory, step by step. But I could have easily just said, you know, I'm not doing anything until somebody gives me a senior pastor job. You know, so I'm just going to wait. And 
And so we don't get, we don't see that. And so, it, and, and so it, the little parts, the little pieces that God wants to give us, and maybe you're sitting there in your room, Lord, use me, use me. And God says, I'm trying to use you. You just don't want to be used. And Wellington Boone, many years ago, put it, played that little trick with those words when I, I, I listened to him preach one time. And he goes, we're praying for God to use us, and God says, I'm going to take, you, I'm going to take you, you seriously with that. I'm going to use you. You're going to get used, used up. So our purpose, really, folks, it matures and it clarifies as we mature. Our lives are a mosaic of experiences, of battles and victories, failures, troubles, revelations, transformations, each piece a part of something bigger. So that one day we can stand back and look and we can see our purpose in his mighty plan. I mean, look at that. I mean... If we look at those words, I know you're flipping your notes over, but if you, if you go back and you just look at that, our experiences, you know, the different things that we've experienced in our life, you know, I mean, I can use you as an example, um, you know, you know for sure that there are times and you've had, maybe you've moved a lot or maybe like, well, shoot, let me just use myself, okay? I grew up, went to 12 different schools in 12 years. I moved from four different states. And I, there was a time in my life I despised that. I really did. And I looked at that and I just said, man, I can never settle down and really get to know some friends. But you know what I found out later in life? I can talk to almost anyone. I could talk to somebody from the Midwest and say, been there, done that. I could talk to somebody from the South and say, man, I lived in Alabama. You can't get much souther than that. Sitting on a football team, not understanding a single word those boys were saying. And they didn't understand a word I was saying either. Because my language was laced with, with uh, cuss words about every other word, and they just looked at me, you're funny, Dave. <laughs> Chewing tobacco, and I learned how to do that, and they let me have a spit cup in my classroom. I'm sorry, Charlene. That, yeah, that just really... <laughs> but that's Alabama public schools, baby. You got to have a spit cup. We'll just don't get it on the floor. Anyway, so I experienced that, and, and I experienced living in Iowa. Iowa, that's where Jamie's from. I won't say any more about Iowa. Not a real good experience living in Iowa. Iowa, anyway. But we got these experiences, these battles. You got something in your life. It defines you. You're sitting there hanging on maybe with a life-controlling issue that you have to battle, but you don't realize that going through that battle, your roots are going deeper. If you let your roots go deeper. God uses all of that in the mixture. They're all ingredients in the greater cake that he's making with our, in our lives of something very, very good. And, and it's what's sad is a lot of times we bail out along the line, and, and Christians do. They don't understand why difficult things happen, or they don't, it, because we get so close to it, or we get overwhelmed. And, you know, we go through a broken time in our life, and it really does just, it, it hurts. But God says, look, I'm going to use this. God's going to use every little piece, every little piece, in order to create something big if we will remain, if we will stay on the path, and that one day we can look back and say, oh, that's why. 
That's what you're using this for. Now, Paul said later, like in Romans chapter 6, he's basically saying, look, you don't have to create a mess for yourself to make something good. So in other words, don't say, well, gosh, my life just gets more creative and cooler the, the more I mess it up, so I'll just go and do that. No, 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 no. Not a good idea. Don't pursue chaos. Don't pursue it. It'll come in its time. Don't, don't pursue it. Pursue God with your whole heart. And it's through those moments, through those difficulties, through those battles, through those wonderful victories, that God will put it all together for you. But number two, when we look at Philippians there, another thing we learn is I must lay hold of Christ to keep moving forward. And in my mind, I just love the idea of Jesus moving past me. And, and I am stuck. Maybe I'm stuck in the mud. Or, or, and, and all I have to do is just reach out and grab a hold of his garment, you know, his robe, or, or maybe his belt, or, or grab a hold of that, that arm, that, that carpenter's arm, or, and, or you know, in something. Just get a hold of something, and he's going to pull me right out of that, and, he's gonna, and I'm just going to go with him because he's a dynamo. He's, he's God. But I've got to get a hold of him. You see that? You see that picture? that sometimes we do get stuck. And in order to get unstuck, we got to reach out. And that's all he asks us to do is reach out and grab him to get out of that stuck spot. Because we can. I mean, we can get discouraged, stop going to church. We can stop fellowshipping with other believers. We begin, you know, cutting off and painting ourselves into a corner, if you will. And we cut off the lifelines of the very thing that can help us. And the next thing you know, we're trapped we're lonely, and we're mad. Mad at people because they don't care. Mad at God because why would he let this happen to me? And the whole time, God just says, come on, let's get going. You got to get going. Because sometimes we get pinned down like in a battle, and you dig yourself a shallow rifle pit, and you've thrown your gun away. You're all out of ammo. You don't know what else to do, and so you're like, well, I can't do anything, but I'll tell you what. Jesus is always moving forward. And all we have to do is just reach out for him and just say, Lord, I need you to get me out of this place. And reach out. And he pulls us up. So, so we got to lay hold of Christ. That is a choice. That's an act of our will. That is something that to get that momentum going again, we got to get a hold of him. God is, God is the definition of momentum. Because God is always moving, but see, God has got the ultimate purpose. It's all wrapped up in him. So if you want to know what's going on, well, get in touch with him. You really do. So, he's moving. He's a dynamo of the kingdom of God. And when we get a hold of him, he takes us along. And what a ride it will be. He'll pull us through those moments, those difficulties, those confusions. But I also say here that in order to grab something, you must let go of something else. Isn't that true? Remember that? There's that little analogy of the monkey grabbing the, uh, the coconut in the, in, in the tree. Or it's like it, that's one of the ways that they would uh, capture monkeys. And it would they'd just take a shiny thing and they'd put it in a hole in a tree. And the monkey would put his hand in the tree and grab the gold object. But because the monkey will not let go of it, it's trapped. Boom, boom. And the 
the guy could just walk right up and just bag the monkey and go on. The whole time, all the monkey had to do was just let go. That's how they would do it. And in our lives, we get a hold of something, and man, we're just hanging on. And God's saying, um, you want to be free? Yes. Then let go. Let go of that thing that you got a hold of. And so, so we got to let go of some things. There are some things in our lives that, you know, that are holding us back. They've got us trapped. They've got us pinned down. And, and the whole time we want to run with God, but it's like, boom. and that, that thing could be a relationship. That thing could be uh, wrong priorities. That thing could be, you know, some, thing, some sin in your heart and in your mind, things that we toy with, that we, we hide, and, and we're still holding on to it. God says, let go of that. Just let go of it. And that's, again, it's a decision. And then get a hold of God. And that's going to get you out of that place. So you're no longer captured by the enemy. Because that happens. And it does take both hands to follow God. You know, I, I have in my mind, you know, grabbing a hold. But really, it takes both hands to really follow Jesus. And, and st- sticking with that analogy. I mean, that, that means everything. Didn't Jesus talk about, look, you can't serve God in money too. Did he not say you couldn't have, I know it's a double negative, but you can't have a a divided heart. Can't have a divided heart. Because in the end, you might at the beginning, and Jesus experienced that. He had a lot of people who came when the the food was flowing. He had a lot of people come when the healing was, was on tap. He had a lot of people show up by the thousands. How many were left after he was crucified? About 120 out of thousands. 120, who are going to serve him with both hands, who just said, you know, we got nothing else. I mean, I love the, the confession of Peter and the disciples when they said, are you going to abandon me too? And they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. You're my everything. Whew. I'd say they got it, didn't they? I'd say when it came to the discipleship, I mean, I could just see Jesus looking at them and saying, here ends the lesson. I could hear him saying that when they said, we got nowhere else to go. Jesus looks at him and say, you got it. That's what we've been after here, boys. That you realize that I am your source. That I'm your everything. Now I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and we're going to keep this thing to get to connected, but you've you got to know I'm your source. You've you got to let, let go of some things. So I love that. I love that thought. It keeps coming back to this whole idea of being kingdom people. It does keep coming back to the idea that if you want something to make sense in your life, if you want it to all come together in in a solid, eternal perspective, then it has to be two hands on his shoulders following him, going where he's leading. Number three, I have to forget the past mistakes and struggles. Isn't that what uh, Paul said here? He says, you know, I... He says, I haven't laid hold of everything, but one thing I do, I gotta for, to, in, order to, in order to really follow him, I've got to forget the past and reach forward. So this, kind of, this whole concept of getting a hold of him is being, it's, it's being expanded. And so I've gotta, the first thing we've got to do, folks, is we've got to let go of the past. We've got to forget him, our, our mistakes and struggles. You know, you've heard me say that before um, in reference to sin and struggle is that here at Valley, I mean, I, pure, I mean, I believe this, I teach this, 
and, and you need to know it's true, is that failure is not fatal here, okay? Because we all make mistakes. And yet, sometimes those kind of things happen in our life and our pride won't let us stand back up at the plate. Sometimes it'll get in this and it's like, well, you know, this was kind of a public thing or this was a struggle. And all I want to say is, look, we're all in the same boat. We love you. We are for you. We love you and we are for you. We're ready to roll up our sleeves and help you get going again. Okay? And so sometimes people come here and they've come through the battle and maybe they've gone through a divorce or maybe a a business failure or maybe they had the death of somebody in the family or maybe you had a real struggle at the local church you used to go to or maybe you just recently got saved and and you've gotten a hold of Jesus with both hands. I'm just saying, when you come here, you know, all bets are off. You start fresh, okay? Nothing, no dossier from your past. No, none of that because we believe in forgiveness, and if we believe in that forgiveness says, I mean, that forgiveness and that Jesus said, I will take your sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west. In other words, infinity. In other words, that can never be found again. You know, God never forgets anything. It, it, you know, in theology, they're called the immutability of God. In, in other, he, he never changes. And he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. And he knows everything. But he's choosing to forget our sin That's pretty cool. He deletes it. The Bible talks, he blots it out. Can't be read anymore. So why would we do that to one another? Now, I understand, you know, we have memory. I understand that. But in the spirit of what forgiveness is, we need to think in terms of, if God is not holding that over my head every day, I don't need to hold it over my own, and I certainly don't need to hold it over anybody else's. Okay, and that is, of course, if the spirit matches the choice. Like, you don't need to walk in and say, look, you know, I'm I'm infamous. I'm an infamous personality. I did a lot of bad things out there, and you know, I'm I'm sorry. You got that haughty spirit? I'm sorry. You know, that's not going to work. You can't have a haughty spirit. No, no, true repentance. You know, then grace is poured in. And, you know, we can't be fruit inspectors. You know, you've got to leave that up to the Holy Spirit. But our point here this morning is, you know what? We can get hung up on that, can't we? We can't allow our past, and, and in that sense, dwelling on the past can make us miss our future. So much backward looking that we don't have a good look to the future. And that's fresh, that's new, that's exciting. You ever started something new, new job? knew something, and you ever felt that kind of that new flood of, 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 of excitement? It's just kind of like, gosh, I get to start over again. And, and some of that is a little idealistic because within a week or two, reality slaps you upside the head. Wasn't all that you thought it was going to be. But that excitement, you know what? That, that newness is actually a reality in the kingdom of God. I didn't quote the verse here, but it says, his mercies are new every morning. Don't you love that? You get up every day, and God says, and you say, God, please forgive me. What I, he said, what are we talking about here? Well, I mean, you know, the sin I confessed yesterday. What are we talking about here? I don't even know what you're talking about. Today, I'm talking about today. We got to get on with it. So come on, get dressed. 
read my word, get some truth in you, and let's get moving on. That's good stuff, isn't it? That's Bible. And so, man, we let the past, if we, man, if we let the past hold us back, then we can't fully focus on our future. Regret can make us lose the passion to start over again. But great things do come from those who keep on trying. Isn't that true? I mean, we see it in sports. We see it in, in business people. And they tell us, you know, we see the video and they, yeah, I was a failure. Well, I'm a billionaire now. And we look at that and we're just, <laughs> we shake our head and just say, right. But you know what? There's a lot of truth there. Absolute lot of truth. For those of us who may be discouraged about our life, you know, I was talking about dreams lately. And I'm still talking about those dreams. Because we want to do a dream center here. We want to create a place. Where I, want to, I want to gather those people that have experienced success in their life, in business, and in family, and in relationships. I want to gather them together so that we have a pool of people, not necessarily experts, but people that can help us take that next step. If you want to start over again, or if you want to, you want to get moving on to your purpose, then, you know, we need some help. And sometimes having that encouragement in people in our life. So I, I really want to create that dream center so that more dreams can start coming, uh, taking place here. In a place where dreams mm, kind of dying out there. People don't want to dream anymore. So we can't, but when, we, when we're holding on to our past, then it holds us back. It, it's like our hand is trapped in the tree. And forgiveness is absolutely key We've got to learn to give it. We've got to learn to receive it. We've got to forgive others in our life. If we want to ex- continue to experience the grace of God flowing in our lives, we've got to turn people loose. People offend us. They hurt us. They abuse us. Knowingly and unknowingly. And we've got to forgive. Because we know what forgiveness, and Jesus, what, what Jesus taught us in his word, there in Matthew 5 and 18, he just said, look, I've forgiven you of everything, and I've chosen to forget your sin. But when you go around and keep holding people under the fire for their sin, if you won't let them up for air, or if you constantly trap people in this, this picture in your mind of what they'll always be that failure to you, or there'll always be that inconsistent person, or you'll always be, because you know what, what's neat is in this church, our, our church is full of people that are amazing examples of how God has taken from glory to glory of God has healed different areas of lives of their life, and people could look at you and just say, wow, man, you're not the same person. What you're doing now, the success you're experiencing, the, I mean, we're just full of those kind of testimonies. And there's so many more to be had, but a lot of times it comes right through that initial door, forgiveness, giving it and receiving it. Got to get past our past. And the, the other side of the coin here, though, is that we can't lean upon our victories in the past either. And I find that the older we get in the Lord, how easy it is is to tell the old stories. It's like that 50-year-old guy sitting on the bench at the bar on his fourth beer, telling the story about how he won that game with that last-second shot. And everybody's heard it every single time, and they just get tired of hearing it. But because they like hanging around with him, they let him tell the story over and over and over again. It's pretty sad. It's kind of pathetic. Because you think in terms of it's like, well, what are you doing now? Well, nothing, just being a drunk. Well, that ain't any good. I mean, there's nothing special about that. 
And so we can do that. I know that's an that's a in-your-face kind of analogy, but, but folks, that, that's where we can be. And Christians, we can start doing that. We can start relying. Well, man, I remember back in the 70s when the Holy Ghost was moving and, and, we, and the presence of God came down and it was thick and I, we saw angels and, and we heard God and people got healed. Cool. It was awesome. What are you doing for God now? Well, look, back in the 70s, that's what he did. And again, that's not that much more pathetic than that person sitting on the stool telling that story over and over again. And so God is just saying, look, that was then. This is now. What are you doing now? That was, that was an experience. You know what? When the people came back from Babylon, the people that actually had seen the old temple, when they saw the new temple finally finished, it says they wept. Everybody else was rejoicing. They didn't, hadn't seen the old temple. And so they had no reason. You know, they were excited. And they're going around, man, look, at we got the temple back, man. We were in captivity for seven years. We got the temple. We get to worship. Somebody, get the, somebody call the Levites. Let's tune up the harps. Let's get it going. Let's get the, come on, somebody get the burnt offering going. Oh, there's the burnt offering. God is here. Somebody, man, start the first worship song. Let's get to it. All the old temple people now. <laughs> oh, man. No. What are you doing? This isn't God. You didn't see the old days. Man, they spoiled the party. Man, you wanted to gather those guys up and, you know, put them on a bus somewhere, right? <laughs> Say, look, this is what God is doing now. And this is what's happening now. And so, come on. When God is moving, you move with it. And so, man, he can do it in many different ways. And a lot of times, you know, God does all these kind of things in our lives. To, he, he stirs it all up to get us ready. You know, one of the things I learned about revival and a lot of things that I learned about renewal and a lot of things I learned about the gifts of the Spirit, what I learned was that that all had a purpose. Purpose. And what was the purpose? to make me more passionate for him and for the lost. Because you look, if renewal and revival is all about getting excited about heaven, then die and go there. I mean, I know that's in your face, but look. If you're so excited about heaven, it's coming. But you've got a purpose here now, and that's to love people and to reach for people and to pray for people, and to wear out your knees praying that God would bring and shake the heavens, that God would, well, that what is up there would come down here, and that we would be disciplers, and that we would, we would take all that wonderful experience, and we wouldn't tell them all about what happened in the past, but we would ex get them excited about creating something for now. That's mature. That's deep. That's right. That's good. And so look, we can't lean upon the victories of the past. We can't be, we can't be doing that. Because what it does, it, once again, it forfeits our future. We miss. We miss what God wants to do now. And so I love it. I love when I see what we'll just call old timers. Because I'm an old timer too. I've been there. I mean, I've experienced a, an amazing amount of things all over the world, Argentine revivals. I've been to Brownsville. I've been to different places all over the world where God has, God has been moving. I've seen it with my own eyes, experienced it. But I'll tell you, every single time, 
I know why God is doing that. It's to stir me for what he wants to do today, what he wants to do in my life and where we are right here, right now, to take that next step. One last analogy in regarding that is, you know, I play guitar, and you've never seen me play very much because I'm lazy. But anyway, beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm kidding. More than anything, I just encourage my kids. I just say, hey, you. I mean, Taylor's got my guitar now, and I can't, you know, he won't let me have it back. That's not true. He'll let me play it. Matter of fact, he wants me to play it. But the truth is, what happens is, when you don't play your guitar, is you start to lose your dexterity a little bit. But one thing I did notice, which was kind of cool, over the years as I played guitar, is that sometimes I'd play it, and I'd learn to pick up some chords, and I'd do some stuff, and it was like, oh, man, that was good. I like that. And I'd do it over and over again. And then I'd put it back down, and I'd walk away. Or actually, what I would do, Andrea, a lot of times what happens is I'd get to a place where I couldn't do it, and I'd get so frustrated, and I'd put the guitar away. Or you'd watch somebody like Phil Keggy or somebody amazing and, and doing this stuff, and you go, okay, well, I'm never playing guitar again. But I put it away. And then one day I go back to that thing, and I pick it back up again, and I'm like, whoa, I can do that. What happened? I can't even describe it except that. It's amazing what will happen when we, we continue to be persistent. Because the truth is, how many chances, how many growth points, how many experiences of, of really breaking something or going and, and getting over a mountain or experiencing a breakthrough or, or, or adding a new skill in our life is only just one extra try away. But we leave the guitar in the corner. We can't do that. We've got to dig for those gifts. We've got to see a lot of us, I mean, I, I almost bet there's not a single person in this room who completely knows what your purpose is. You're probably still sitting there going, well, I think I know most of it, but... You know, I think there's more. And so that means you've got to pick up the guitar. Not literally, but, you know, it might be literally. It might be you need to do something that you're afraid to do. I was talking with a brother yesterday, and he was like, you know, gosh, I, I love the idea of missions, but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. And all I said was, man, it's green eggs and hams, bro. Green eggs and ham. Try it, try it, and you'll see, right? If God has put that little passion inside, he's also given you the ability to carry it out. Now, sometimes, you know, you may pick up that guitar and find out you need to put it back down again because, mm-mm, it ain't a part of your purpose. And that's what we'll find up very quickly, too, that some things just don't work. All right, so let me finish up here. I'm already over time. I have to reach and press forward toward what lies ahead. So I, I got to forget the past, but then now I got to stretch toward what lies ahead. There is more. His mercies are new. I already shared that with you. A lot of I've already preached right here, but it, it can't be defined by what others think or say. God has my future, and it is a good one. There is treasure in everyone's life. And that is that surprise. I never knew I could do that. You know? Those moments. And then finally, never forget the prize that is waiting for us in the end. We can't, can't undervalue or miss the point of what Paul is trying to say here. Right towards the end. He says, I'm forgetting what's in the past. 
I'm laying hold of what God has laid hold of me for. I'm, I mean, I'm getting to it. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead, and I press on toward the goal. What is the goal? Who knows what the goal is? Heaven. It's heaven. And, I, you know, and I'm not sure that we as Christians really got that. And, and I think what we are a little bit confused about is that the goal is just me coming into my own. That my goal here is just that, they, that I'll make it in the Time magazine or that somebody will do an article about me or that I'll be in Fortune 500 or that I'll have this or I'll have that or I've accomplished this or accomplished that. That's not the goal. Paul says, man, I'm seeking him. I'm doing it so that I can reach for the prize. And what's the prize? So I can be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen. The reward. That's the, the tape, folks. That's what we run through. And here are the crowds. There are the, the, the millions upon millions of Christians that are waiting for you. When Tim, you know, Tim passed away this past, Tim, Tim Daniel, when he, when he breathed his last, he crossed that tape, and he heard the myriad, the, the, the millions of Christians who cheered for him. You made it. Welcome. It's over. You've won the prize. See? That's Bible, folks. That's the way it is. So that, that's the synergy. That's the energy. That's where it comes from. Is that I'm, I'm, I'm living for him. I'm seeking what he's got a hold of me. And I'm, pr I'm pressing forward. But that forward is moving toward heaven. It's moving toward my eternal purpose, which is to be with him forever and ever. And it may, I mean, you know, some people, they get really bored out of their minds when they think about heaven. It's not supposed to be that way. Not at all. So I want to finish with this. I want to finish with the idea that, you know what? We've got to get rid of the past. We've got to let go of that. If there's some things in your life that are holding you, hung, getting you hung up, and we as Christians, we can do that, man. We, we can get, get on the wait-a-minute vines. We can get caught on the nail in the post. We can, you know, we can you know, do all the kinds of things that will hold us back. But God says that does not have to hold you back. God can set you free in an instant and get you right back on the path. And, and that video was perfect. We've got to make a step today. What can you do today to start moving and get that momentum back? How, how can you lay a hold of Christ today in your heart? And that's where it begins. It's just that simple choice of saying, Christ, Lord Jesus, I want to let go of some of those things and I want to get a hold of you all over again. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't, you know, try to run the gauntlet. Don't do anything. Just say yes and reach for him in your heart. Amen?